All right, everyone, we're here to talk about the Yeah, We Know podcast. Well, first off, I want to say belts are just changing hands left and right here. Yeah, we know. If you came through the WWE and wanted to be a big-time deal, you had to go through The Undertaker for, what, about 20 years, Jimmy? Yeah, we know. Jimmy, are they screaming RK-Bro, or are they screaming Randy, Randy, Randy? Yeah, we know. It's Seth freaking Rollins. Show the man his respect. The Yeah, We Know podcast. Find it in this feed. Part of the Morgan Knows Podcasting Network. Hi, my name is Van, and you're listening to my daddy's podcast, The Morgan You Know. I uh, love the show, and you should check out my buddy Rod Morgan's pod, The Morgan You Know, as I'm confident he's primed to make some waves on the scene. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Morgan You Know podcast. I'm your host, Rod Morgan. This podcast is executively produced by James Jamriska. Joining me is my co-host in life and my co-host on this podcast, the lovely Mrs. Morgan You Know, Kate Morgan. Kate, hello. Hello. I, I'm, I'm having trouble containing myself right now. There's been many times on the Morgan You Know podcast network where I have made allusions to my insane love for Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is now about to save American cinema as we know it, releasing Top Gun Maverick this Memorial Day weekend. So I thought, what better time to finally have Tom Cruise, a celebration podcast. That's simply what I am calling this here. Top Gun was one of the first ever blockbuster VHS releases. There was an $8 million ad campaign put behind this movie. It was one of the first VHS tapes you could buy for your at-home video cassette recorder for under $30. So late sometime in 1986 or sometime in 1987, I don't remember exactly when, I saw this movie and there was no chance that there was anything in the world cooler than Lieutenant Pete Mitchell. He's riding motorcycles, he's wearing aviators, he's playing shirtless volleyball, he's singing in bars, he's drinking, he's getting girls, he's talking smack, he's flying jet planes. There was nobody in the world cooler than Tom Cruise, and there was nothing cooler to me than having the videotape in my house, being able to watch it whenever I wanted to. Years later, I worked in video stores, and I love Tom Cruise, and now we are here to celebrate him and to join us. In this celebration, I have my co-host on Balls and Brew. Joining us from North Carolina, it's Chris King. Chris, hello. What is up, Rod? How's everybody doing tonight? Yeah, I mean, you could tell I'm excited right there, Chris. I mean, you've been with me on many a pods right there, but that was as excited as intro as I've ever given right there, wasn't it? That was real passion. That's right. Well, joining me is someone who has made numerous appearances on this Morgan You Know podcast network on this number 99, episode 99 of the Morgan You Know, somebody who's been with us from the very start, our guy, out in the desert, Matt Roberts. Matt, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, this has been a several-year journey. I'm glad to see it come to fruition, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. And if we are talking movies on the Morganino Podcast Network, we have a newly minted cinemaphile, our guy from Roberts's old stomping grounds, Muncie, the Mrs. Morganino and I's old stomping grounds, Jake Williams, joining us from down there in Ball State. Jake, hello. Good evening, everyone, or good morning, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Let me tell you, it's about to get pretty interesting. Let's go. All right, here we go. So what my idea is here is at the end of this podcast, we will touch on our insane love for Top Gun and what we hope out of the new Top Gun movie. We'll talk a few things about Tom Cruise's career as we go along the way, and I got a couple of little fun games for us to play along the way. So let's start here. Chris. 
Do you remember the first time you saw Tom Cruise, were made aware of Tom Cruise, your, your earliest Tom Cruise thoughts? As I, as I asked you about this podcast, what were they? Um, it was Top Gun. Like, I had maybe seen something before then, but Top Gun put him right into the mainstream. Mainly, for me, it was, look, here is a movie with fighter jets and real dogfighting and real stakes. It was so awesome and so cool. So Tom Cruise instantly becomes an action star in my mind, like instantly. Uh, he gears off of that every once in a while, but like he's still always been that action star. See, Chris, I love that you that you hit on that right there, right? Because Cruz has certainly chased an Oscar in his career, and we will touch upon that. But he has always come back to his roots, his action, stardom, and Jakester. In our lifetime, is there a bigger star, right? Let's not talk about the Oscar yet. Let's not talk about the craft of acting. But is there a bigger star in our time, do you believe, than Mr. Tom Cruise? Absolutely not. Because, and I'll, I'll say this, because... Paramount Studios would not be where they are without Tom Cruise, right? With Mr. Maypother, if you will, right? Tom Maypother, this little guy, this little Catholic guy who became his own thing, right? So Tom Cruise transcended everything to the point where he still is making blockbusters and turning out nearly billion-dollar stuff. Usually that's just, say, for Marvel stuff. That's a whole other conversation. He's still doing it now. So to answer your question, Rod, no, there has not been. And to this point, what is he, 60? Where is he at now? He's at least, he's a little south of 60 just yet. Where's he at? Where's he at? Exactly. My point is, no one has transcended film like he has, probably ever, seriously, and done what he's done. So I'm excited about Maverick for sure because, I mean, it's just, it's, it's almost absurd, the fact that the longevity he's had since even the 90s, every era that's been about Tom Cruise since the 80s. Think about it, you know? He's 59 years young. Mr. Roberts, if I put a picture of Tom Cruise in Top Gun Maverick right next to a picture of Tom Cruise in Top Gun, how much difference do you think you'd be able to spot? I think there would be a little difference just because it's, what, 30 years, I think it is, since the last one comes out. 36. But, but I mean, it's, it's that weird, like, Nicolas Cage vampire theory. Like, the dude doesn't age. He, he looks identical. He certainly does, and I think that's one of the things that's mesmerized me about Tom Cruise over all of these years. Mrs. Morgan, you know, your, your thoughts on Tom Cruise, because you've had to live with me, the Tom Cruise sycophant, all of these years. <laughs> so have I colored your opinion on Tom Cruise, or do you still stay true to your first thoughts? I've always loved Tom Cruise, too, right? Top Gun is my first foray into Tom Cruise. I remember watching this movie with my parents when I was really young, and I also remember them fast-forwarding through the love scene, which I realize now, re-watching it, they really didn't need to fast-forward to because it wasn't all that impassioned anyway. But that was my first, like, glimpse into what Tom Cruise is, and I adored him then. But I think I've grown to appreciate him a bit more because of you over the years. And I also think it's important to mention that this podcast, yes, is years in the making, but particularly two years in the making because Top Gun Maverick was supposed to have yes. come out two years ago. And so we've been waiting to do this until Top Gun Maverick is released. And we've been waiting throughout the pandemic for this. So this is kind of us seeing the other side of the pandemic. 
Let's uh, let's stay with that for just a second. I will say right now that there are three tickets purchased for the Morgan household as we speak <laughs> right now for the Friday 715 showing of Top Gun Maverick. Mr. Roberts, you let us know that you already have your tickets. Mr. Williams, do you plan on seeing this movie Memorial Day weekend and participating in the saving of American cinema? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's going to be a Sunday type situation. I'm in, a, I'm in a place in my life where I have to go to matinees. <laughs> I know I'm old. I hurt my back. It's a whole thing. So let's just go on a Sunday morning. But absolutely, we're going to see it absolutely on Memorial Day weekend. Chris, do you think it will be too much blasphemy, for lack of a better term, to say that Tom Cruise saved movie going in America with the performance of Top Gun Maverick this Memorial Day weekend? <laughs> You're putting some lofty expectations there, buddy. Uh, listen, it's going to be... It's Memorial Day weekend. That is a big movie blockbuster weekend. It has been for ages. This is really going to help not just the industry as a whole, but movie theaters especially. And we all know how great it is to go to your local theater and be able to watch the newest blockbuster. And that's what people should be doing Memorial Day weekend. I know I'm excited about going back to the movie theaters. The Mrs. Morgan, you know, has already been back a couple of times with the Vanimals. They went the Vanimal, not the Vanimals. Yeah, we don't have no, multiple. We do not have multiple. But they've already been back. Mr. Roberts, do you think America is ready to go back in droves to the movie theaters? I do. I think we've been waiting for something like this where there's multiple ages of people. Most people know the story. Um, this is... Almost, I think, like the first big concert after COVID. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a chance to have an enormous opening and make a big impact on the business. What follows, who knows? Um, you know, the Marvel movies are always going to bring people in the seats. But I think this could be one of those that's a big spike of, oh, my God, like this movie did $400 million this weekend or whatever it is. So Tom is, uh, we'll, we'll see how much he actually is out front in this movie, but that's the thing I noticed when I looked at his IMDb, he only has 49 credits, and let's just say a guy like Samuel L. Jackson, if you go to his IMDb, there's like 118 credits, because Samuel L. Jackson's like, yes, I'll be in your movie, you know what I mean? And Tom Cruise is always kind of, he's picky and choosy, but is there any one thing that Tom Cruise hasn't done yet, Jake, that you would have liked to have seen him done in all of his different 49 films? Because he's taken a lot of different swings, but is there one thing maybe he's, he hasn't done yet that you'd like to see out of him? Yeah, I'd like to see him do a Western. Really? Yeah, so Westerns are going to come back. It's going to be a little bit, but they will. And so they always do. It's a, it's a cyclical thing. It unifies the country. It's a whole conversation. But I will say, I think, first of all, he needs to let the hair go and just and just be gray and be an old man. That's a whole other conversation, too. But just be you, Tom. You know what I mean? Let the jowls go. He's he doesn't look the same. He yeah. He's not Paul Rudd now. He he's a little jowly. I love him, but he's a little jowly. Just let be let yourself be yourself, Tom, and let us see you graduate. Ethan Hunt is no longer on missions. He's now the head of MI6. Another again, another conversation needs to happen. The franchise needs to keep going. Paramount needs the money. You guys hear what I'm saying? Like it's all about money. So whatever Tom Cruise can maximize, but a western would be fantastic for sure. Listen, I was with you when you said Tom Cruise should do a Western, but then when you started trying to shut Ethan Hunt down for being able to go out on missions and hang off of cliffs and, like, fly helicopters, I mean, like, what are we doing, man? Let's not shut Tom Cruise down just yet here, Jake. He's well, only 39. There, there's already two more in the works. I think he is letting himself go, though, actually. I just think he is one of those people who 
is aging extremely slowly. What was the the story that I had heard a couple years ago from Thandie Newton had done an interview and had said that he had manifested in one day a pimple to go away, right? And I think that... I think that he just sort of has that kind of control over his body. I will agree with you. He probably is does not have the naturally black hair anymore. He probably does dye it. But I do think he is letting himself go a little bit. I think that this is him aging. Because he hasn't had work done on his face. The man has yeah. jowls, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He doesn't have to. He could look. Well, he fixed his teeth. Let's be frank. He fixed his teeth, yes. you know, after Magnolia. And listen, we all know that the Church of Scientology is way secretive, right? So who knows what kind of stuff is going on inside those walls that's making sure Tom Cruise can still be looking just the, almost how the else, same as he did. How else would he be able to manifest a pimple away if Scientology wasn't exactly. working? And let me tell you something. The Catholic faith could have used a lot of that. So if he just would have stayed on that side, yeah, he could have. Been he could have and he, and he, but he didn't. May Pother didn't, right? He became Tom Cruise, and, and there you go. I love the uh, the early background stuff of him almost uh, becoming a priest there, which is just wild. But also I love seeing that he basically lived in like 14 different cities in 15 years. You know what I mean? And it kind of also just speaks to how Tom Cruise doesn't necessarily seem like he's from anywhere, but he seems like he's from everywhere, right? And I think that's part of his uh, his charm. Hmm, that's a good point. But yeah. let's, uh, let's move on to one of the first games that I have cooked up here, all right? We love doing drafts on the Morgan you know, Podcast Network. So my idea for this draft was we are about to embark on a road trip, and the three people in the car with us on this road trip are different Tom Cruise characters. When you pick the Tom Cruise character from the movie, that character is exempt. Nobody else will be able to pick them, but that is the person you get coming along with you, right? We're not all this not three different Tom Cruises. You're getting the character that he played. That's what we're drafting the three people we could stand having in a car with us on a road trip of an undisclosed location. To an undisclosed location, excuse me. Now, we have to figure out a person to go first. I would tend to say that the Mrs. Morgan you know gets to go first because that's just how I roll, but I want to ask my guests here if they have a huge objection to that or not. I have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I feel like this should be random. Um, if she happens to get it, great. But Okay, um, do a random Kate, generator. I love you, but um, no, no special treatment here. Hey, I get it. I get it. I believe firmly in equality. So if we need to do a random generator, let's do it. Listen, and also, I'm, I'm okay we... with Kate getting the first pick as long as I get the second pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. And all you all right. blasphemous people over there saying Tom Cruise dyes his hair. You don't deserve the first pick. <laughs> well, that's a good call, actually, Mr. Roberts. But here we are. I am on the Who Goes First app, all right? Okay. I'm showing it to the Mrs. Morgan you know here now so that we can keep this all on the up and up. How many people are in the game? There are five people in the game. I am pressing five now. Who goes first? The person to your right, which means I will call that the first person Thank after me in the Zoom room, and that is Matt Roberts. And here's how we'll do the draft order then. Roberts will go first. Chris will go second. Jake will go third. Mrs. Morgan, you know, will go fourth, and I will go fifth. But it's a snake draft. Just drop that on you, so I get two picks in a row. Well, that's convenient. Uh, I know it's also convenient. You get get to go first, so go. Whoa, whoa! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> that's fine. It's fine. It's my podcast, Jake. So it's a snake draft. All right, Matt, you're up. Well, I mean, we've we've spoke on this. I think it's a unanimous decision. If we're going road trip. 
Undisclosed location. What's the best thing about a road trip other than the music? Is the stories told in the car. And there aren't any better stories in the world than flying a fighter jet upside down, inverted, <laughs> giving the bird to those communist bastards. Like, let's go Pete Mitchell right out of the gate. That's a no-brainer. Started up on his six when he pulled through the clouds, and then I moved in above him. Well, if you were directly above him, how could you see him? Because I was inverted. Bullshit. <coughs> No, he was, man. It was a really great move. You were in a 4G inverted dive with a MiG-28? Yes, ma'am. At what range? No, about two meters. Well, it's actually about one and a half, I think. He was one and a half. I've got a great Polaroid of it. He's, he's right there. Must be one and a half. All right, I think, listen, if Vegas was going to take odds on the first character taken in this draft, it probably would have been Lieutenant Pete Mitchell. So I think that's a great pick, Mr. Roberts. You got him as the number one overall pick. Chris, who do you got? I'm going to take Jack Reacher. One, wow. I, need, I need somebody that can drive, and that, that dude can drive like a motherfucker. And two, he doesn't talk that much. I'm going to have two more guys in here that are going to do a whole lot of talking, so I, it's okay that he's quiet. I'm quiet driver, that's perfect. It's your last chance to walk away. Are you kidding? It's five against one. It's three against one. How do you figure? Once I take out the leader, which is you, I'll have to contend with one or two enthusiastic wingmen. Last two guys, I always run. Are you, uh, you done this before? It's getting late. Remember, you wanted this. Mr. Roberts, this this reeks a little bit to me of Chris taking necessary roughness in our sports movie draft. What do you think? <laughs> well, I love it, if, but I, I got to say, he's on my big board. If, okay. if there's a rumble, you want him in your car. Absolutely. All right, Shit hits no. the fan. Who do you want out of this list? That's Jack true. I Listen, I'll agree with that there. All right, Jake, you got Pete Mitchell off the board, and you got Jack Reacher off the board. Is your number one pick still available? <laughs> you know it is. <laughs> I present to you, the Vampire Lestat. You've been a very, very naughty little girl. Wow. Okay, why? For one thing, finally, at some point in his career, he wasn't the pretty boy. He was, but we got this totally different thing. I feel like Lestat was pretty close to Tom Cruise. Think about that character. Break it down. Break down everything about him. I know that's a whole, that's an hour discussion. I know we want to keep this high level, but think about Lestat, right? How old he is. He has flight. I mean, seriously, Scientologists think you fly at the level of Tom Cruise. He doesn't even need to fly a plane. He can jump out. That's why he wasn't scared to hang on the side of a plane. Oh. It's actually, when you get to that level, he thinks he can fly. So does John Travolta. That's why they have planes. Seriously, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's fascinating. So, and the way of Lestat, the manner of him, him and his interactions with all those characters, the way he deals with Brad Pitt, right? All right. I like that. You know what else is good about Lestat? When you guys are driving at night, that dude is going to be at full go. He's going to be at his best when you guys are driving at night. Everybody's snoozing and Lestat is driving, listening to crazy, crazy music. You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, there we go. So Lestat off the board, Pete Mitchell, Jack Reacher, Kate, who do you got? Oh, 
I, my number one is still on the board, and it is Jerry fucking Maguire. Jerry, you better yell! Show me the money! think he would be a lot of fun in a car we've seen him in a car he's rocking out to tom petty singing at the top of his lungs that's the kind of person i want with me on a road trip i also want somebody who can talk us out of difficult situations talk us into good situations that's who i want he could get you through a lot of doors yeah, that's what I mean. I think he's one of those guys that, like, you're not going to go to the real touristy places. Like, you're going to find the cool haunts. You're going to get into, like, the VIP areas with the smooth talker like that. It's a very solid pick, Mrs. Morganino. I am up now with the final pick in the first round and then the first pick in the second round. So I will wrap the snake quickly here because, boom, two guys on my board are going off right now. Give me Brian Flanagan. I have got serious eyes coming over here. Stay information or old man's coming in right behind him. No! Prior of Cocktail and Dreams oh, from the Tom Cruise movie Cocktail because who better than somebody who can whip up drinks on a road trip? I am not advocating drinking and driving here, folks. I'm talking about when we are on our overnight breaks between driving. Give me Brian Flanagan and give me Lieutenant Daniel Caffey litigator we get in any trouble with the law who better than having him on hand i know i thought about the firm but i decided i'd have lieutenant daniel caffey because he can play a mean game of softball and who knows if we're going to need that on the road trip i have markinson where is he motel room in northeast with six federal marshals outside his door except your drink Transfer the marks and sign. It's phony. In Jessup's statement that the 6 a.m. flight was the first available as a lie. We're checking the tower chief's log. Can I get you something? Like a beer, please. In the meantime, I'm going to put the apostle John Kendrick on the stand. See if we can have a little fun. Those are two solid picks. I really wanted Flanagan in my car. I wanted a cafe. Well, Mr. Roberts, you get to make uh Or no, wait, we go back to Mrs. Morgan. You know, that's right. We go back up the board because the snake. Excuse me. So, Mrs. Morgan, you know, who do you got? And so we're just doing three here. Correct. Is that right? Okay. Um, I'm going Ethan Hunt. I, I want somebody who can just do some crazy shit on a road trip, need be, right? Relax, Luther. It's much worse than you think. The terminal is in a black vault lockdown. The only person allowed in the room has to pass through a series of security checks. William Donlow. The first is a voice print identification and a six-digit access code. This only gets him into the outer room. Next, he has to pass a retinal scan. And finally, the intrusion countermeasures are only deactivated by a double electronic key card, which we won't have. Get us into situations that maybe I wouldn't normally, you know, be involved in. Fuck it. Like, sounds like a good idea to me. So Ethan Hunt is my second choice. There we go. I think Ethan Hunt is great. The only problem I have with Ethan Hunt being in your car is at any given time you could be being chased by an international crime syndicate, and that is not a real good deal if you're just trying to go check out a show at Red Rocks. Yeah, but no fear, right? Like, no fear. Maybe I'll get to scale Red Rocks, and I just won't be scared of it at all because I know he'll get me out of it. <laughs> all right, Jake, you got your second pick after Lestat. Who else is in the car with you? Okay, it's going to get weird. So Lestat wasn't weird? Well, the start was definitely weird for sure, but let's let, yeah. Here's the next one, one of two, um, Minority Report, John Anderton. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now listen to me. <laughs> you, you tell me, who was it 
set this up? I don't know. Come on. I'm asking you again. Who was it to put you in? I didn't see his face. I tell you who it was, and my family gets nothing. Who made you do this? Don't kill me. You couldn't do this. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Let go of the gun. Leo, let go of the gun. First of all, it's a whole movement shift for Spielberg, but again, that's a whole other conversation. At that point in Spielberg's career, things were looking pretty down, right? We're all at Hollywood Video and Blockbuster. That was our era, right? And 2002, 2000, whatever, Spielberg has a renaissance. He gets back with Tom Hanks. He hooks up with Tom Cruise and has Minority Report and blows people's minds because the futurists knew what was up. You know what I mean? They just did. It was a great movie. It's one of Spielberg's best from that era. He did Catch Me If You Can, and then he failed off, and he did Lincoln, and, and I don't, I haven't watched this. Right. I, listen, I'm not, I'm with you on Minority Report. My question to you is, though, what is it about John Anderton that makes him somebody you need in the car? The man has literally been put up for, for literally murder, and he figures out how somebody framed him using his own eyeballs. You know what I'm saying? I trust John Anderton to get me through a road trip. All right. I like it. I like it. So then that means the next pick goes to Chris. So I am going with the dude that may not be on anybody's list, but this is a guy that can tell great stories, can converse with anybody in any situation, knows how to get out of situations, and handles everything as cool as Tom Cruise himself could handle it, and that's Roy Miller from Night and Day. Am I dying? He fainted. I'm sorry. You're a smart guy, Simon. I know you'll figure it out. Oh, okay, nice. I like Night and Day. I enjoyed that movie. That gets talked down every once in a while, but it's fun. No, it's real fun. And and Roy Miller is cool as a cucumber through that whole thing. Just knows what to do, when to do it. When Cameron Diaz fucks up like she will, he can solve that. Like, it's just... He can handle just about any situation, and he can, I'm sure, has tons of stories and interesting facts to share. I'm not sure that I want to be on your road trip, though. You got Jack Reacher and Roy Miller. Like, you're definitely anticipating some trouble. Like, you're getting soldiers for your car, man. I don't know what's going on. I mean, you guys, is this Mad Max beyond Thunderdome where you're headed? What's happening in your car, Chris? I'm just trying to be prepared. Just wait till you get to my third pick. See, trying to be prepared and trying to have an adventure on a road trip. This I agree with. It's one of the reasons I chose Ethan Hunt. I want to have some fun while I'm on a road trip, too. All right. Well, Mr. Roberts, you get to be the first person to finish out their car. What do you got for us? All right. I love this. <clears throat> what uh, what do we say we're doing? A road trip? You're worried about Jack Reacher driving? You're worried about Ethan Hunt driving? Uh-oh, there is not an absolute person so on this list that I would rather be behind the wheel with than Colt Trickle. Yep. Like, Nicole. That, can't believe he was on the no board brother. here. Oh, dude, when, I, I can't believe it. This film, this was my, like, number one. You've given me a life. God damn it, I don't want to lose it. Just put me in that race car. Let me be the one to show you what you've done. Just trust me. Let me drive, Harry. I'll make a fool of you. I thought he was going first round. I did too. That's why I mean, Mel Kiper would be going crazy here. This is insane value in the draft. You can't believe that you can get a player of this caliber this late in the draft. This is the kind of thing that changes your franchise. 
It it does. It changes the whole trip. Because guess what? Are we running late? Don't worry about it. Somebody on our ass? Don't worry about it. We we got this. I'm I'm not worried about a thing. Anything else? Driving is out the window right now. Now I can enjoy the road trip. You know what else? I feel like Rowdy's like personal abode too, where he stays at. You guys are definitely going to stop by and see him. Like I feel like there's a good time there. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of stuff happening at Rowdy's. There's no doubt that's not uh, not having a good time. All right. Well, who's the last person in your car, my friend? Well, there's one other kind of dark portion of the road trip, the cross country, whatever. You're going to be in seedy situations. You're going to be in seedy places. And what better to be in seedy places with is a guy that can talk to any girl on the planet, Mr. Frank T.J. Mackey from Magnolia. How to fake like you are nice and caring. No, I, I don't oh, okay. Nice. I forget that you got to love that ponytail. You think that ponytail is really going to do good things for you, too. Listen, you have to tame it. And anybody that knows how to tame it is Mr. Mackey. Like, he's just, he's going to be your ultimate wingman while you're out there. So, you got somebody driving, you know, you got somebody helping you pick up the ladies, and you got, uh, you know, Maverick taking everything else, and you get the scraps. Hey, listen, I can't disagree with any of those picks. I would have been happy to have any of those people in my car. Chris, who do you got? Finish out your car. There's one thing I respect, Rod. That's a killer. Cold-blooded, calculated, and there isn't anybody more cold-blooded, calculated, interesting. He's into jazz, uh, knows just about everything in the world. Yeah, because if I had a nickel for every time you told me about a jazz album. (laughs) (laughs) It's Vincent from Collateral. Yo, homie. Is that my briefcase? Is it your briefcase? Yeah, it is. Why? You want it back? I want your wallet. What else you got for me? Huh? Fuck! Speaking of Tom Cruise Gray, right? You know what I mean? Like, he's yep. kind of got a bit of, he's got a bit of gray going on in this. But no, Collateral, listen, that's one of those movies that will probably come up when we have the Tom Cruise Oscar discussion here in a little bit. That was one that a lot mm-hmm. of people like to say was uh, was maybe one of his better performances. So we'll, uh, that, that will probably come back up. But again, Chris, your car is just a real creepy vibe. There, <laughs> Jack Reacher, Roy Miller, Vincent, you're a Highlander. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on in that car. Yep. Jake's got a vampire, though, in the, in the detective from Minority Report, so I'm interested to see what finishes out his automobile. Jakester, what do you got for us? All right, here, here it is. It's down to two, okay? We're going with David Ames from Vanilla Sky, because if you're on a road trip with me, it's all going to get crazy fear and loathing by the end. I don't want to know the story behind this photo. Who's Sergio? It's a nickname. Your nickname is Sergio. It's a long story. And we don't know each other. So many secrets. That's because I'm really an arms dealer. And I need somebody who understands that dreams are lucid and you can affect dreams. And David Ames is there. I know it's a random. It's a deep cut. It didn't get, I mean, it was it was Cameron Crowe at his weirdest. But David Ames for the win in a weird, weird way. Yeah. That is, you guys, man, Chris, you and Jake really embrace the weirdness of this car. Like, I mean, I mean, if we were doing like a Twitter poll. Look at this stuff he made, for crying out loud. No, you're right about that, though, Jake. That's a good point about Tom Cruise's career, right? He kind of, he would do the dark stuff, then he would do the real popcorn-y stuff. That's that's definitely. I still don't know what that movie. Oh, it's great. And and Kurt Russell's incredible, and you've got Cameron, you've got Penelope, it's the whole thing. But it's it's weird. It's very weird. Definitely weird. All right, well, Mrs. Morgan, you know, you get to finish out your car. Okay, I'm going I'm going with a really random one. I'm going with Les Grossman from Tropic Thunder. Oh, nice. 
tits off. You want to talk about trouble? That's trouble. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you need, Peck? I want to have some fun in this car, right? Like, Ethan Hunt's going to be super serious. He's going to get us into some situations. Jerry Maguire can get us out of most anything, but less... Les can really get us out of some shit and he's going to holler at people until he gets what he wants and he's well connected and he knows everyone and I think he has some sweet dance moves too for when we have to do some pit stops and, and do some drinking and dancing so Les Grossman you guys are going to be bumping Luda Chris for sure that is uh, incredible well you know what I am left with the last pick there's a couple of different ways I could go here I already have one lawyer in my car so i don't think i'm going to take mitch mcdeer from the firm i think where i'm going to go is to rain man and i'm going to take the car salesman i guess right we're not entirely sure what what exactly charlie babbitt does with cars but something but he's uh he's one of those great stories right you kind of like him at the beginning because he's a bit of an asshole and he's got some quick quips but then you realize he's an asshole but then by the end of it you're like oh he's kind of changed for the better so so give me charlie babbitt to finish out my car of brian flanagan lieutenant daniel caffey and charlie babbitt you took my queen ray i've got a 10 i needed that queen i can't take sir, your queen sir please don't touch the cards Eat my own queen, Ray. There's lots of them. There's lots of them? Lots and lots of them. No, on uh, the Morganino social platforms, who you believe has the car that you think is the most fun. I think it's very clear that it is definitely not Chris or Jake's car. <laughs> I think that this is a this is a three horse race. It's my car. Come on. There's not even a question. I actually think Kate gets an extra person in her car since she got Les Grossman. She's going to automatically get Bill Hader's character from that movie. That's true. Because Grossman doesn't go anywhere without his assistant. <laughs> so true. Well, that's true. That's a good call by you, Chris, there. That's a good call by you. All right. Well, you know what? Let's uh, let's move on and talk a couple of little things about Tom Cruise before we have another little game we'll get to there uh, near the end. Hey guys, be sure and check out the My Ambitions as a Writer blog where I, the Mrs. Morgan you know, Kate Morgan, shares my many opinions, stands with women everywhere, and stays rough and rugged addressing the mass public. Visit themorganyouknow.com slash blog. Enjoy! Do we wish Tom Cruise would have done more funny movies? Am I missing other funny Tom Cruise performances? Mr. Roberts, I'm going to go to you. I think we need a lot more funny movies. Mm-hmm. I think it's great when you see someone who's typically an action star or a drama guy, whatever, have a little fun. I mean, you get stuff where, like, was it Chris Hemsworth of being just this action star or whatever and has a little comedy with uh, Thor? Um, that's super cool. I'd love to see Tom Cruise, like, think of himself a little less serious. It was so good as Les Grossman. Like, what else is out there that they could throw him in that would just um, – kind of lighten the mood a little bit i mean i think everybody kind of takes him a little serious so why not have a little fun with yourself especially when you're in a position like he is where no matter what he does is is going to probably be well received i completely agree i think les grossman is one of my favorite characters he's ever played because he's hysterical like and who knew he could be that funny in a fat suit and be just that maniacal and and he not foul i mean that foul too it's wonderful and so i'd love to see him do more and more of these because i can't think of another movie where he's even remotely close to being this hysterical well chris i know you kind of wanted to shout out his cameo in uh the austin powers franchise there what is it gold member where he appears Mm -hmm. 
but he's basically himself in the cameo as a in gold member. So, you know, it's not it's not really he's not playing a character in that. But uh let's take a quick sojourn from uh Tropic Thunder to talk about something else. Uh weird, right? Weird is definitely a thing that comes up with Tom Cruise every once in a while. Let's sort of bring ourselves back in time to what Tropic Thunder was. Tom Cruise was a little bit on the outs. It was not long after the Oprah Winfrey appearance, right? Everybody was kind of down on Tom Cruise. Like, who was this weird guy jumping around on the couch? We all started thinking to ourselves about all the different weird stories we've heard of Tom Cruise over the years. So, Mr. Roberts, what is the weirdest thing you remember about Tom Cruise over the years, or is it just simply the Oprah Winfrey appearance? I mean, it's hard to not say the Oprah Winfrey thing is not like the top of the list, but to me, it's the, you kind of touched on it earlier, is the death wish of hanging from a plane, jumping from a building, riding a motorcycle and skirting it under. Like, you're one of the richest dudes on the planet with a fantastic life. Why on earth are you holding on to the side of an airplane for a fucking movie? Like, that blows my mind. If somebody gave me, like, $10 million, yeah, I'd do it, but he doesn't need $10 million. Like, that blows my mind. I think that's super odd. I respect the craft. You want it to be you. You don't want to do CGI, whatever, but no chance I'm hanging off a plane for less than 10 mil. <laughs> I'd love to have a price, though. Everything has a price. <laughs> I think what I mean, I can't really put myself in the Tom Cruise headspace because certainly no one's ever offered me multiple million dollars to frontline an action franchise. But I think he would love nothing more than to win an Oscar someday. And since he sort of knows that he's not there now, he has really devoted himself to being, well, I'm the most real action star there is, right? And I think on some level, he thinks that it gives him a little bit of cred. Mr. Williams, am I off on that or would you agree with me? I would totally agree with you. And I, I think to, to kind of think of, well, you guys are talking about comedy stuff, so I just want to touch on that. In the early days, he was funny. You know, there's there's moments in Cocktail. There's moments in uh, Risky Business. Let's not forget about that stunning movie. It's a good call. You know what I'm talking about? There were some things like, ah, there's a glimmer. He's got a glimmer in his eye. There's moments in the beginning of the first Mission Impossible. He's 35. He's reinventing himself. He creates Ethan Hunt out of an old franchise. And bam, here we go. Now what? We're six, seven, eight, nine movies in or whatever. It's insane what man can do. He doesn't care about dying. All he wants to do is make movies. When you pull back all the garbage, all the weirdness about him, he's just a guy who wants to make movies. That's it. And he just wants. To, I, I totally understand. I totally understand where he's coming from. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. He definitely seems to be driven. I mean, if 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 we've all heard the uh, the clip of him yelling at the crew on uh, the new Mission Impossible movie during COVID, right? We can all see how serious Tom Cruise takes the movies, right? And I guess the quick thing I want to say on all of that, right, is I've always said to myself, you can talk to me about the Tom Cruise Scientology. You can talk to me about the Oprah appearance. You can talk to me about the multiple ex-wives and the weirdness with Katie Holmes and Nicole Kidman and all the above. And what I would say to you is I don't know Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise isn't my neighbor. He's not on my kid's school board. You know what I mean? I couldn't care less what he does in his life. You know what I like Tom Cruise for? Movies that are bangers, and he's got a bunch. Right, but but in the context of this conversation, you do have to sort of bring some of that into it because I personally think he doesn't think he's going to die. There's a difference, right, in, in not caring and not thinking. And I don't think he thinks it's going to happen to him. I think he thinks he is this lucky and in some ways immortal because of his religion. And I think there's been a lot documented, especially by Leah Remini and and her take on a lot of in-person conversations and things that have happened within the Church of Scientology uh, that is quite damning to him and I think shows his character in that way. 
I'm not in any way saying that he's not fun. We're doing this podcast, but I think we'd be remiss to not hit on some of those pieces while we're talking about what his will is in doing all of these daring stunts. Chris, you're our resident conspiracy theorist around here. I mean, you gotta have you gotta have a you gotta have a thought on this. I would think there was a clip of his from a Scientology video he did where he talks about how it's his responsibility to stop when he sees a car accident because he knows he's the only one that can help. I have a feeling the reason he started becoming an executive producer so he could do the all these stunts is because he believes he's the only one that can do them right. Mm. Um. Whether that means he doesn't think he can die or he doesn't care if he dies, I think he does it because he believes only he can. Mr. Roberts, how do you square the the Scientology piece, the Oprah Winfrey piece, and then the Ethan Hunt is really, really cool hanging off the side of a building in Dubai? How do you square all that? Well, apparently I didn't know he could fly from how he is in Scientology, so I guess my argument earlier is pretty much fucked. (laughs) <laughs> so, so i mean i guess you know you jump on a couch you're, you're into a chick listen we've all been to into a girl that we've shouted off from the fucking rooftops oh, i love this girl and to find out two weeks later she sucks we've all done that i won't fault him for that but uh you know the whole flying shit's pretty cool i know what i would say to that is okay if you want to be mr stunt mr do your own stunts and you really can't fly it's time that we bust those out let me ask one more question off of something that came up here off the stunts mission impossible is there an appropriate number of Mission Impossible films? Should there be a set endpoint? Mrs. Morgan, you know, what do you think? Because I know that you have a, a personal, uh, like our life is framed around these Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> I love the Mission Impossible movies. It's Yeah, I wanted to share that it, it was a couple days before I went into labor with Van and my mom said, oh my gosh, if you want something action-packed that's going to make you go into labor, you need to go see Ghost Protocol. Like, go to the theater, go see it. And we saw it the night before I went into labor, and that next morning I went into labor after seeing that movie. So I always kind of tie the two together. That and Chicken Wings. But anyway, I love the Mission Impossible movies. I think that they can go on as long as they want to. I sort of liken them to the James Bond movies. Um, You know, is there an appropriate number of James Bond movies? Clearly not. And they've done many iterations of them with different actors perhaps that's something that can go on with mission impossible as well well it was supposed to happen with jeremy renner and then tom cruise showed up on set was like now nah, it turns out i'm still a badass yeah. we don't with jeremy you just you're gonna have to be part of the team here bud sorry i know you were in the born thing and that didn't work out for you either because matt damon came back but hey man you flip houses so that's cool go have someday. fun with that someday maybe mr roberts what do you think is there an appropriate number of mission impossible movies I mean, you can only put a number on those if you can put a number on Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. So. And you definitely cannot do that. That definitely can't do that. So I agree. No, with you I'll there. watch every Mission Impossible that comes mm-hmm. out. They're fun. Like it's just there's some of those series, just like the Fast and Furious movies. You suspend every bit of belief. You watch a movie for entertainment. You enjoy it. You buy into the story. Here you go. So make them until I'm fucking dead. I'll watch them. <laughs> Chris, how about you? Your Mission Impossible thoughts. Are you getting sick of them, or are they still, you know, these are the, the greatest movies we've ever seen? I really, really started enjoying them at number four. Um, it, Ghost they Pro? Really, what's that? Ghost Pro, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, and so they have really grown on me since then. I, I keep getting more and more involved. Um, I will admit that part of it is because Simon Pegg's in the movies now, and I'm a big fan of his, of course. Uh, 
I think he adds a little bit of levity to the movies that mm-hmm. the first few didn't have. Um, I think that's been a big help. They have a perfect supporting cast for the most part, and that makes it where they can keep making them for as long as they want to. I agree. The supporting cast is really strong in those movies. I'm glad you brought that up. All right, let's do one other. We, we spoke about the Tom Cruise weirdness here. Let's do the one other sort of uh, negative Tom Cruise thing here, and then we'll uh, we'll finish on a big crescendo playing one more game and then talking about Top Gun Maverick as we close out. But what is the biggest miss, would you say, in Tom Cruise's career? Jakester, our resident cinephile, we'll start with you. Okay, that's a really good one. All right, let's dig in a little bit. Let's think about where he was the time he made this, and I think... There's a lot of complications with the film I'm about to announce, but I, I would say that his biggest misstep was Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to deal with what was going on with him and Nicole at the time. Let's just be honest. They weren't compatible. right? By Hollywood standards, they should have been, but they weren't. Okay, So that movie was obviously Kubrick's last, and that's a whole other conversation. But seriously, that's his last. You know he was trying to get AI off the ground and was faxing stuff to Spielberg. That's neither here nor there. Because he, he wanted to get the story out before he died, but Eyes Wide Shut was it. And time, I'm sorry, he kind of shit the bed. He did, he couldn't find that character. He tried everything he could, man, but he, he just, he was on my list of people that I just wanted to ask him questions. You know what I mean? He was on my other list on, on the, on the drive, cause I was like, what in the world, man? His name was Bill. Like, dude, man, like, what, <laughs> what's up with that? Cause that was such a strange detour for him. What do you think, Kate? Was that weird for him? What do you think? Yep, it was actually my pick for the biggest miss in his career as well. And and here's why. Because Tom Cruise, in all of his successes and all of his glory and all of the movies that we named previously, he is not a sexual actor. He is not a sex icon. He is not... Um, he's not Brad Pitt. He's not George Clooney. He is not one of these men that women lust over. Um, I think he's a man that, that men admire and that women, that helps women enjoy action movies, but he's not sexual. Um, I actually personally think that he's probably an asexual person um, in general, and I just don't think that that's a type of sexuality that's talked about a lot, but that's what strikes me with him at all. He cannot command a sex scene in any way shape or form and I think that's the reason because there was no chemistry in that movie whatsoever regardless of whether or not he and Nicole were on the rocks your actors make it work and he can't make sex work nope you can't especially when you're probably directed by the weirdest director ever and yeah well not Polanski was the weirdest <sighs> but still you know geez can you imagine being directed in a sex scene by Stanley Kubrick <laughs> Well, like Kate was saying, I, I think that there's a lot to that, right? Because uh, you could convince me that Tom Cruise has never loved anyone truly in his heart. You could convince me that Tom Cruise has never lusted after anyone in his heart. You could convince me that Tom Cruise has never smoked because the couple times he's been asked to try to do it in his movies, it just looks absolutely false. You could convince me that Tom Cruise has never drank to excess because he'll have like a sip in movies and then he'll start falling over and slurring his words. And it's like, no, it doesn't quite happen that way. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. There's no frame of reference, right? Yeah, he's definitely a weird guy. The other thing I think you convinced me Tom Cruise has never done in his entire life is attend a rock concert. So the answer for me (laughs) on Tom Cruise's biggest miss is Rock of Ages. Because not only is that movie pretty bad, but I do not want to see Tom Cruise on stage, leather pants, singing and screaming like Bret Michaels fronting an 80s glam metal band. So the biggest miss in Tom Cruise's career for me is Rock of Ages. Chris, how about you? 
I went back and forth on a couple movies, but I landed on one that Jake raved about earlier, and that's Vanilla Sky. Like I said, I still don't know what that movie's about. That was the biggest miss for me. No one did. <laughs> Nobody had an idea. Because it was adapted from a Spanish film. It was completely lost. It was like a Portuguese film or something. I don't know. It was called Abra Los Ojos, meaning open your eyes. Open your eyes, exactly. <laughs> open your eyes, right? So is that the sequel to Eyes Wide Shut? Mr. Roberts, how about you? What's the biggest miss in his career? Or is it quite simply the Oprah couch jump? I mean, you know, Mr. <laughs> King brought that up as well. No, it, it was definitely The Rock of Ages. Just absolutely nothing about that movie. said, hey, let me go watch Tom Cruise sing. Like, nah, I was just zero interest. Just about anything else he does, I'll probably take a peek. But that was just, nope, I'm out. All right, so here, that was his miss. Let's move on to... Tom Cruise's Rushmore, right? Let's do. Let's move on to Tom Cruise's Rushmore. Another little game here where all four of us are going to come on here real quick and we're going to say Tom Cruise's four best movies. And here's the thing. We can all have the same movies. That's okay. And then by the time we all name our Rushmore, I think we'll have a pretty good consensus of what Tom Cruise's best films might be. Mrs. Morgan, you know, why don't you start us out? Well, I think what what we wanted to say was a little bit different about the Rushmore than uh, the the road trip piece, especially, is that these can be films that are also really, really good and not just because of Tom Cruise. And so the one that I want to throw out there is one of the people in your car um, is Rain Man. I think it's an exceptional movie. I think... Tom Cruise's character is sleazy and ugly for most of it, and he comes around, and I think I think it's a movie that was actually very much ahead of its time, and I appreciate it quite a bit. What are the other three movies on your Rushmore? Uh, Jerry Maguire is my all-time favorite Tom Cruise movie. I just, I adore that character. I love that movie for, for many, many reasons. And then also A Few Good Men. There's four oh, on Rushmore. Wanna, oh, yeah. wanna, I thought you wanted just three again. Okay, sorry. And then Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun, absolutely. All right, Chris, how about you? What's your Tom Cruise Rushmore? So I also had a few good men. Um, anytime you get a performance like that from Jack, mm-hmm. it deserves to be on Rushmore. Um, I also, I did the Rushmore for movies that I will continually watch over and over and over again. Um it doesn't matter Saturday afternoon, Thursday night. If I catch it, I will watch the rest of it. Uh, first one, of course, Days of Thunder. Okay. Love that movie. can watch it anytime, anywhere. NASCAR needs another movie like Days of Thunder, just like the Air Force and Navy's getting it from Top Gun. Uh, I also have Collateral, uh, a role okay. where Michael I thought... Man. Yeah, I really enjoyed that movie. I thought, and I think that if Tom really wants to get a Oscar chance again, he needs to do another role similar to that, where he's the bad guy, um, or at least the guy that's the antagonist of the movie. Um, and then, of course, Jack Reacher. I love watching Jack Reacher beat people up, so I watch that all the time. Jack Reacher makes the rush more, but I think maybe that that could have been hinted upon by your car of having Jack Reacher be your number one overall pick. Mr. Roberts, you got a lot of those similar movies, or you got different ones on your cruise rush more? Um, I got uh, a couple crossovers, but I mean, I throw Top Gun on there just because that's, to me, what launches Tom Cruise. Um, I think that's a, a movie you think Top Gun, you think Tom Cruise, you think Tom Cruise, you think Top Gun. 
And then I kind of went like performance wise on the others. Um, Few Good Men. It's my favorite Tom Cruise movie. I love it. I think he's phenomenal in it. Um, one that is probably going to get a little pushback if we're going performance-based was Magnolia. Um, I love Tom Cruise and Magnolia. I also love Magnolia. It's a fucking stupid-ass weird movie, and nobody really likes it, but I love his performance of this cocky woman slayer into, like, frail son meeting his dad before he dies. Like, I think it's just an incredible performance. I think that's um, actually the closest he came in his career to winning an Oscar. Personally. I, I agree. Thought he was yeah. nominated. I agree. I think well, no, he's was... nominated for born on the 4th of July. Oh yes, yes. yes. That's my next one was born on 4th of July. If we're going just strictly performance. Jakester, I want to go to you here before I finish up with mine. Cause I have a lot of the similar ones, but you're a resident cinephile here. So I wondered if maybe you had a out of left field pick for us. I have two actually. I have the firm. Nice. Okay, mm-hmm. Mitch McDeer. I don't remember the character's name, but he was fantastic. Anytime you got Gene Hackman, Jakester, I'm in, so I love it. You got Gene. You got you got Gene Triplehorn, which that's oh my, what a great great movie. You got Wilford Brimley, Deep Diabetes. <laughs> All right, Diabetes, and then of course we can't forget The Outsiders, Deep Cut, Early Days. You talking early days with Tom Cruise? We're talking like seventeen, wasn't he? What? Wasn't he like, like 17? 17? Yeah, dude. Early days. Him and Coppola. Early days. Right? So we got to see something completely different. Before anything. Before he did anything. Outsiders. Deep cut. And then Ethan Hunt. How could he not? And then, of course, Pete Mitchell. Because, you know, I still say to this day, you know, thanks for having my back, Goose. When I talk to random strangers. I'm like, who the hell are you talking about? I'm like, yeah. See you later. Bye. And that movie changed my life when I saw that movie for the first time. And Top Gun, Maverick is going to change. It's going to do everything. It's going to change everything. It's going to help save the movies. That's the whole reason why we're talking, right? Right, Rod? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll finish out real quick. My Rushmore is Maguire, Top Gun, Few Good Men. And I will narrow it down to one Mission Impossible movie. And I will narrow it down to Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Because harping on a little bit of what Mr. King said earlier. That was four. That relaunched the franchise. That was Tom Cruise running, outrunning a sandstorm. That was Tom Cruise hanging off the side of the Fantastic. of the big uh-huh. building in Dubai. I mean, just fabulous, fabulous stuff going on in Ghost Protocol. So Jeremy Renner hovering above the the computer thing. I mean, just you know, harkening back to the early Mission Impossible. It was just so much good stuff in Ghost Protocol. So give me that one. But as we said early in this podcast, this weekend is the release of Top Gun Maverick. Before we get to what we hope our thoughts on that movie may be, and some old Top Gun thoughts, let's let's go there. We've all seen Top Gun many, many different times. Mr. Roberts, give us your newest take on Top Gun the last time that you saw it. What's something that you were like, man, I never thought of this before about Top Gun. What do you got for us? Wow, the newest take that I have on Top Gun. Um... That just, that volleyball scene is uncalled for. Yep. It just. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I get it. Like, your boys will be boys, you know. I think what is even the song, hanging with the boys or playing with the boys. But it really like that. is that Saturday Night Live Schlitz gay. Yeah. If you, if you like beer and you're gay. It, it just is like, I, I think I watched Top Gun maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. And I saw it, and I was like, wow, this did not age well. And, yeah, I'm, actually, I'll leave the rest. That's, that's all I'll say. Well, listen, here's, here's, what, here's what I'll jump in with there, okay? I, I like the competition of sport 
as much, if not more, than the next man. I'll play a little bit of beach volleyball. You know what I mean? I'm not so sure I'm going to play beach volleyball in jeans, but that's a discussion for another time. But what I'm absolutely not going to do is play beach volleyball up until the last minute that I have no time to shower before I'm about to go show up for a date. All right? That's definitely not what I'm going to do. So that's really the biggest problem I have with the beach volleyball scene. He's been pining all this time to get a date with his instructor, Charlie. She says, come by the house. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? Get all sweaty with my dudes out here on the beach playing beach volleyball right before I go over to the house. Then I'm going to ask her if she'll let me take a shower. Ridiculous behavior out of Pete Mitchell there. It is rid- ridiculous behavior. And it, and if Charlie's character should have kicked him out right then and there, like if she was true to that character, she would have had none of it. Like, are you serious? You're coming here. You're trying to use my shower. Get the fuck out of here. All right. I'm an educated, learned woman. Get out of here. Like... <laughs> Jakester, a learned woman. That's right. I love it. Jakester, what do you got for us? New Top Gun take. Oh, I just watched it a month ago. I had very similar thoughts about that. I also had an interesting take about the fact that, back to what Kate was talking about earlier, that sex scene had was not yeah. dynamic. Both of them wanted to be anywhere else. Yes. She is a lesbian, and he is whatever Tom Cruise is. <laughs> right. They could not get it on at all. I didn't buy it as a kid. Is that one of the most awkward tongue kisses you've ever yes. seen so awkward it's so awkward they had good chemistry though like in scenes in the i love the scene in the uh, in the elevator when the guy pops in right mm-hmm. there was a they did have a good magnetism because he's the kind of guy and leah remini will say this that he locks eyes with you and you're the only person in the world mm-hmm. you know what i mean for the five minutes and then he, he he just took your kidney or you just signed your life away to, to lord Zeno or something <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, he's magic. And so he can get charismatic. He's just not a sexual being. That's my take. What in the world? I can't wait for Maverick. Let's go. All right. We'll get to Maverick here in just a second. Mr. King, how about you? What's a new Top Gun take for us? I know you you got to have something out here. You told me before we started this that you had a Top Gun thing that's not in the outline. I'm excited here. Well, actually, I'm going to go with something that hasn't been brought up yet. And I think this is more important to what would have made Top Gun even better. And that was give us more drama in regards to Maverick and his dad's backstory. I mean, they barely mention it early on to try to give him like a reason why he's so crazy flying around. Goose mentions it, but you get that two minute little speech by his instructor at his house about it. And that's all you get. And I really think that they could have done a whole lot more with that. Give us an extra 15 minutes of the movie, cut out the volleyball scene, and and you'd have a much better intriguing movie if they did something with that. Other than that, I still don't understand how Wolfman called that instructor to tell her that Maverick quit after he walked out. That's the other one. Well, I just think that like they're all like on a base together. I think that it's just like they, they, the army tries to make it a little easier to communicate amongst people, so that you know we don't have any kind of any kind of slip ups on any information we need or you know things of that nature. So I would just imagine that there's like a base operator and she's just like, "Hey, I need the flight instructor," and they probably just connected her to somewhere. I mean, it was 1986. It wasn't like she had a cell phone, so I mean, they had, they had to call some office and somebody probably just flagged her down. That'd be my guess. Maybe I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but more backstory on his dad. All right. I, li- I like that call, and I like that call. But I have. A, I wonder if maybe that's something that might pop up in the new Top Gun movie. So let's all talk about what we hope to see out of the new Top Gun 
36 years later, where I guess from the previews we're to believe that Maverick sort of comes back as an instructor at the Top Gun school for a bunch of new hotshot young pilots played by including Miles Teller, amongst others. Chris, what are you hoping to see out of the new Top Gun? I am looking for the cinematography for these in-flight dogfights during the training, during whatever fight they have. Uh, I did see a little uh, behind the scenes. Uh, All the actors were actually in control of their camera in the cockpit. Um, They were taught how to uh, adjust for light. I mean, they went really detailed, so I'm really excited for these these scenes, like actual dogfighting scenes, because... I thought they were badass when I first watched Top Gun. Watching it the other week, uh, they were still cool, but not quite as cool as I remember. So I'm really excited to see what they do this time around. Yeah, it turns out when you have actual jets up in the air and you're trying to film them, they can't do nearly as cool stuff as they might be able to pull off with computer animation uh, this time around. So I'm uh, absolutely with you there on the flight scenes. Mr. Roberts, what about you? What do you hope to see in Top Gun Maverick? Is it just quite simply the handsome, jizzled jawline of a John Hamm? <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, if John Hamm's on screen, nobody's looking at his fucking chiseled jawline. And we all know where that's going. Uh, I don't necessarily worry about that, but, um, you know, the flight stuff's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm going to follow on Chris and say it was super cool back in the eighties. I can't imagine with technology now how it is, but I'm very interested to see how the, um, I think it's in the trailer. I don't mean to spoil or anything, but like Goose's son is Miles Teller. So I want to see how that plays out, how I'm sure there's a, you killed my dad vibe and you need to earn my trust. And I'm interested to see how that plays out. Do we get a Meg Ryan appearance perhaps? You have to, don't you? Somebody's playing great balls of fire on that piano. And if Meg Ryan doesn't walk in at that exact time, I might get up and leave. I would tend to agree with you, and you're absolutely wrong about not being able to admire the chiseled jawline of John Hamm. I am down for that anytime it comes on screen. Mrs. Morgan, you know, what do you got for us? Okay, so one of my favorite scenes from the original Top Gun is you've lost that love and feeling, right? So there is a part of me that's like, oh, I would love to see some kind of recreation of this, but then there's a bigger part of me that's so worried they're going to ruin it. So I'm on the fence on if I want to see a recreation, but only if it's done really, really well. And maybe it's not to that song, but it's to something else. But that sort of idea of serenading a woman with all of these these pilots around was just kind of wonderful. So we'll see if they can get it right or if they even attempt it at all. Now, that bar that they sing, You've Lost That Love and Feeling In, appears to be right there on the bass. So perhaps it's something as simple as it becomes a tradition after Maverick and Goose pull it off that night in the bar, right? Everybody catches wind of it. They decide to try to recreate it. Some person at the flight school every year has to do it. And so maybe it's something as simple as that. Who knows? I am excited to see, because I, again, have done a little bit of research, there is going to be a beach football scene this time around, right? We're not playing volleyball this time around because you couldn't make that happen, but it's America sport football. So we got a beach football scene. That's what has me fired up. But Mr. Williams, what do you got? What are you excited to see? What are you hoping to see this weekend when you check out Top Gun Maverick? First is Meg Ryan. It'd be great to see her again. Love her. Okay, we passed that. It's got to be Val. I know who he's going to be. The trailer tells us, but if we don't see Val... You know, my deep cut would be Clarence Gilliard Jr. Sundown. Nice. <laughs> he's going to pop up. He's probably he's just living fat on that Matlock money. You know what I'm saying? 
So, Clarence Gilliard Jr. probably not showing up, but how great would it be if we got some real good Val time, you know, post-cancer and everything. Love Val Kilmer. Love Iceman. This is going to be a great movie. I can't wait. I'm going to need Val Kilmer to cool it on the gum chewing, though, this time around. Because it was definitely something that, like, in rewatching it, several, you know, all these years later, going, what the hell is his jaw doing? Like, you talk about chiseled jaw lines of John Hamm. Like, Val Kilmer takes it, and, and the gum is just, whoo, it's a lot. It's Without a lot. that gum, he wouldn't be able to cut glass with those jaw lines. That's true, and then he does that. The chomp. <laughs> he's also way intense, right? Like, Iceman's always way up in your face. You know what I mean? Every time he's talking to somebody, Iceman's always way up in your face. It's like, whoa, hey, calm down here. Give me some personal space. All right, I got one. Let's do. Let's go out on one last quick game that I had. We made mention of it a couple times in this podcast that Tom Cruise has been nominated for an Oscar a couple of times. We're all certain he would like to win it. I think at this point in his career, he has sort of given up that pursuit, but... Let's all see if we can pitch a movie, just kind of an elevator pitch that we think may win Tom Cruise his Oscar someday as we are about to go out the door here. Mr. King, what do you have for us? Do you have a movie that you think someday might win Tom Cruise's Oscar that he absolutely deserves? And I think we rightly proved that with this podcast here today. So earlier, Jake mentioned that he needs to do a Western. I would like to see him and... World War One, maybe Revolutionary War, one a, a feature like that, where he is the CEO of a troop or or something to that effect, and and a guy who is a little bit more brutal than what we would like to see in our heroes, uh, more of an anti-hero, a, a guy that may or may not be redeemable. So you're taking um, the training day aspect sort of here. When Denzel got his lead actor finally for being a bad guy, you're kind of taking the training yeah, day angle here. Yeah, but I, I like to see it in a war setting. All right, I like that. Mr. Roberts, what do you got? You got a pitch for us that might finally get Tom Cruise's Oscar? I'm going to piggyback off the anti-hero and do some sort of Martin Scorsese collateral combo where he's some just badass bad guy that um, – you kind of love to hate kind of situation or hate to love, whatever you want to say. I think that's what's going to do it. All right, so playing off the anti-hero, I like that. Mrs. Morgan, you know, how about you? Do you got a pitch for us? Okay, I think you do the anti-hero to a certain extent, but a transformed anti-hero, like kind of how you have Rain Man. And my idea is you have him using some of those action chops of his and summiting a mountain. So you do Everest, you do one of the mountains in the Himalayas, you do something like that. And his backstory is, say, he's lost a child and he's doing it because of that. Or he's this total asshole and that's the reason the child died. Something along those lines and he's conquering this mountain at the same time. If it was written correctly and he acted it just right, he could make it work. So are we going to kind of go like, uh, are we going to do sort of Robert Redford all is lost here? Are we going to do it like advanced in his age, right? Like we're going to be like, hey, look at Tom Cruise. He's older, but he's still going to climb this mountain. We're going to play off of some of that maybe. Yes, but he has to let himself age a little more first, right? Like we got it. I think we do need to see a little bit of gray from Tom Cruise to do this. But yes, that's the idea. He's a little bit older. Does he have to cut his arm off like James Franco? No, no. It's. I feel like it's played out, you know? So. Okay. <laughs> 
I think that's also that's that was more rock climbing, right? Tom's, Tom's not Tom's not messing around with rock climbing. He's going straight to the top, right? He's 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 you know he's not he's not gonna be cutting his arm off with some little thing. You know he's gonna have he's gonna have serious gear. If it comes to arm cutting off time, it's gonna be with an axe. But it could be something wild like he's doing it alpine style, right? With like absolutely no ropes and and no security, something wild along those lines. So it's not just scaling Everest with five Sherpas who were with him, something something like that. Yeah, we saw him be able to do it a little bit. Ethan Hunt did that in one of the mission movies, I right. think it was number two. Right, we just need a good backstory to accompany it. Yeah, John Woo was like, here's what I need, Tom. I need you hanging off of a cliff. That's what I need. And it's like within the first 20 minutes of the movie, it doesn't even really make sense. It's just he's out there just doing his thing. And then they get a hold of him with the Mission Impossible mission because they're like, what would be cool? This. All right, Jake, what might win Tom Cruise's Oscar? And then I will and then I will close this out. Let me just tell you this one. I sent to you earlier, and it says, all right, here it is. It's called uh, First Rock, First to Red Rock. Great title. Alan Shepard was cryogenically frozen for 70 years instead of dying, so he could be the first man to Mars since he was beat out by Neil Armstrong. Tom plays Shepard, wins Best Picture. This- love it. I, I'm telling you what, I absolutely love that because it's a bit, it's a bit of sci-fi angle. Right, but it's got like it's got maybe a a, a turn on history kind of angle, An alternate history type flick. Mm-hmm. I like that he's playing a real character as well, right? Which does you well at Oscar time as well. Also, oh yeah, man, and people could relate to all that shit because right now with all the space race stuff, because it's going to pick up with Elon Musk and Bezos and all kinds of crazy stuff. Like it's the perfect time for him to do it, and he wants to make a movie in space. Let's pitch Tom Cruise. Hey, man, you want to make a movie in space? Let's go to Mars. Be the first man to make a movie on Mars and come back. Xenu's there. If we tell him Xenu's there, maybe he'll go. Maybe he will. <laughs> all right, listen. I like maybe all of your pitches. There. Yeah. I, I like all of your pitches, but here's what I will say. I think you guys are all making a mistake by having Tom Cruise lead your movie. Okay? I think, unfortunately, that ship has sailed. And it hurts my heart to say this. You heard my passion at the beginning of this podcast, but it hurts my heart to say this. I think Tom Cruise lead actor has sailed. I think what we're looking at here is a Christopher Plummer, Michael Caine, uh, Jack Palance, right? A actor in his late 70s doing an absolute bang-up supporting role where they almost steal the screen from... Actors, I don't even know. I can't give you their names now because the movie I'm envisioning happens 20 years from now where movie stars of that current era portray some sort of actor and actress down on their luck with some sort of star-crossed lover theme, you know, gritty drugs take over, all of that kind of stuff. But throughout the movie, there's this character of a director who is just dynamite. Every time he shows up on the screen, you love him. He's helping these characters out a little bit. He's got the greatest lines. He's got the coolest scenes. And that is played by none other than Tom Cruise himself because who knows better than how directors act on set than Tom Cruise. And what does Hollywood like better than a movie about Hollywood? So give me Tom Cruise playing a director, going gray, in his 70s, best supporting actor. That's how we'll finally win his Oscar. I think you might be right. I really do. I think that's a really good pitch. I think that's actually quite accurate for something that could really happen. Thank you. I appreciate that. I normally am right here on the Morgan Eno <laughs> podcast. And so that is a great way to close out this Tom Cruise celebration. Tom Cruise is saving movies. All right. If you're listening to this podcast, you must like Tom Cruise or you like us. And God bless you for liking us. But go out to cinemas and support the movies. 
ultimately, there are a lot of people that are still employed by movie theaters. And believe it or not, if movies like this make a lot of money, they will try and try and try again to keep releasing movies. And we need that. Thanks to Tom Cruise. Thanks to the Mrs. Morgan, you know. Thanks to Matt Roberts. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to Jake. And thanks to you for listening. Until next time, that's the Morgan you know. Yes, sir. Terrorist is Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. Negative Ghost Rider, the pattern is full. No, no, ma'am, this is not a good idea. Sorry, Goose, but it's time to bust the tower. Even, isn't it, Mom? This is what you believe in, but I don't. I don't believe in him anymore. Go to bed, honey. Because he it's only okay. had to spend three days up there. Me, I got to spend the rest of my life. I wish I were dead like him. You don't know what you're saying. That's the problem, Mom. I'm not dead. I got to live. I got to live and I got to roll around. I got to remind him of Vietnam. And you don't want to know. You don't want You're a lousy fucking softball player, Jack. boys are going down, Danny. I can't stop it anymore. Tell me you like my hat. You're not wearing a hat. Say it. Say you like my hat. You're not wearing a hat. Say it. What the hell? Do you mind telling me what kind of fucking charade ends with somebody turning up dead? Where's the needle? Didn't need it. Sounds crazy. What I'm about to tell you sounds crazy. It's true. And you have to listen to me. Your very lives depend on it. What's that? You want another one? Really? I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! There's nothing you can't do in a race car. <laughs> we won. We won. Now, can you walk? Or am I going to have to carry you? Where to? Where? Victory Lane. Yeah. Yeah. Walk. Hell, I'll race your ass.